You're back at the Faculty Factory podcast, and I'm looking at Dr. Mona Behu. Hi, Mona. Hey, Kim. Well, everybody, Dr. Mona Behuth is a neurologist. She's the medical director of the Brain Rescue Unit here at Hopkins. And we're so glad to get here. And you know how she got here? Just like you can get here, she was referred by Dr. Rachel Salas, who's been a frequent flyer on the Faculty Factory podcast. Rachel said, Kim, you have to get Mona on the podcast. She's the one you want to talk to about health system science, team science, implementation science, and she is the leader there. So she's here to tell us all about what is health system science, implementation science, and how did you get to be such a respected leader in this this place? So welcome, Mona. Thanks, Kim. Thanks so much for the invitation. And also, of course, to Rachel for uh, really sponsoring me forward. So no, it's really a pleasure to be here. I could probably go on and on about these subjects. So thanks for the invite. Yeah, I, I love it. I don't You know, we talk about for years now how science, you know, we've gone from this lone wolf model of how this, you know, the tripartite, you know, triple threat person who's the be all end all all by themselves to team science. And can you help us understand, especially maybe newbies out there, where did this come from and how does it look? How does this, you know, how did it look for you specifically? Yeah, you know, team science is not a new concept. You know, the word team really probably goes back in everybody's histories to, you know, when they first joined that little soccer team, when they were in first grade to like being a part of a band. So teamwork is obviously a very core concept in many people's lives. And healthcare, it's critical because it really maintains the focus on the patient and really bringing all the key pieces of what a patient needs at any given moment to them at that time. So to me, interprofessional uh, competencies or team competencies are all about how we know the individual voices on the team, the people who are there, what their expertise are, and how those team members can really come together to bring together a final product that has much more synergy than those individuals alone. So teamwork is really finding the experts, bringing them to the table, which is about patient care in in our circles being sure that the patient gets the best out of each of us so that together they have an even better final product. So that is beautiful. It sounds wonderful. And I I imagine that if I have a patient in front of me who, who presents with a certain history and unique problem, it's a matter of at a place where your institution or Hopkins, hey, who's, who's an expert here? Or I know so-and-so needs to be on this team. So is it really that easy of just knowing who's on deck and who is expert in that area? And then how does that parlay into having that team mentality or someone you want on your team? Like there's a difference between that guy's a great soccer player or that woman, you know, I want her in my band. But if they're a jerk and they don't play well in a team, you know, how how does that hold the logistics and the, the reality of that workout? Yeah, I think in healthcare, we've really fallen into this trap of having a lot of people with a variety of expertise all around us at any given time. Some have easier chance of accessing those experts than others. But the reality is that the conversation becomes very linear. Provider A reaches out to provider B for their expertise, thinks about that feedback from provider B, and then decides if they're going to incorporate that into the care for that patient. Instead, when we talk about interprofessional collaboration or team science, it is having all of those parts of the puzzle together in the same place, speaking in a language that allows the patient to be the center of the conversation in a very dynamic way. 
So as an example, it's not to say that there isn't a leader of that team. There there always has to be the, the tiebreaker or the leader of sort of who's driving that patient's care forward with the patient. But in this model, you bring the people who are most accustomed to being required in the conversation of that patient care. You align each of those people to have strength in their voice. They know what they bring to that conversation that's unique from the next person. You allow a space that promotes that communication. And then you allow a place where you can actually kind of push back and forth to each other to finally come to an individual decision for that patient and their care partner. So it's really a matter of having the people in the right place, but the art comes by finding a way to have those people communicate together that actually yields an efficient and effective conversation for every patient who comes into your care. Okay, you said the word art, and this is making great sense. So how does, can you give us an example of the the art and the I'm thinking of this as a dance. So in the brain rescue unit here at Hopkins that you direct, how might that look? Can you describe a scenario where that pushback is not only, you know, allowed. Now I'm imagining that someone can talk the talk, but to walk the talk. How does you know, someone might be say, yeah, 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 you say we can push back and yeah, this is a safe space, but I know if I if I criticize or say, yeah, but that I'm going to be shot down. How does that look in a day-to-day practice for you? Yeah, so our brain rescue unit to me is the premier place to receive stroke care. If you have to have this terrible disease that one day you are fine moving, talking, thinking normally to the next day having physical disabilities, cognitive problems, this acute disease that comes on in the strike of a minute, you want to come to a place like our comprehensive stroke unit. And we're really looking at it as an ongoing project. We're really always trying to build the stroke unit of of the future. How can we be better tomorrow than we were today? A couple of years ago, we realized that we were kind of in a standard rut of healthcare. Patients would come to the hospital, they would lay in a bed, a doctor would see them, a nurse would take care of them 24 hours a day. We would do great things in the ER, but perhaps over the next few days, we kind of were seeing that things were a little more standard. And then we started to say, well, what do these patients really need that we're not providing? We had focus groups. We had internal conversations. We, our Stroke Institute started talking together in a very dynamic way. And what we realized was that we were doing a great job of diagnosing and treating the patient early, but we were really not managing their brain recovery very well, where we were sort of putting that off, just like many stroke institutes were doing across the country, sort of putting that off until the patient left the hospital or went to a rehab unit. So we said, well, would it be possible in any way for us to bring these resources to the patient while they're here in this bed from the very first day of their existence? So we made our Venn diagram of who needed to be involved in a patient's care. We realized that the nurse was the center of the model, quite frankly, The neurologists were quite important as specialists of the brain, but we also needed therapists who could be more consistently there with the patients. And that meant physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. We also realized that we needed engineers in our model. We needed to design things that were a little more innovative. Like, why do we have to do things the same way? Could we use a merge of technology and expertise? And so all those people, and we needed dietitians and we needed pharmacists. I mean, I could go on and on about the team that we really needed to help patients succeed. We brought all those people to the table and we said, how could we possibly do this? And the key to interprofessional collaboration is that you really need to understand everybody's role going forward. So it's easy to say, oh, sure, I know what a physical therapist does. And they could easily say, oh, sure, I know what a neurologist does. But do we really? So we first started by kind of a little get to know you. What does everybody do? How do you come to this patient? And what do you bring to this patient that's unique from the next person? 
From there, we talked about how would a schedule really look from the patient's point of view. If you're laying in that bed, how does your day look and how can we get everything to the patient in a way that's very, very healthy for the patient's recovery? And then finally, we had formal communication training with all members of the team to say, the patient is only going to get your best in a safe environment that's very fast moving if we learn to communicate together. And I'll tell you that those first months and years were not always that easy. People would say, uh, why is that attending neurologist talking to me directly? (laughs) You know, I'm not used to this conversation. It feels uncomfortable. Are they questioning me? But we really had to have a lot of communication discussions about these collaborations are going to all be based in high level communication. And this is how we're going to do it together. And here's how we're going to communicate back to each other when we think things are not going in the right direction that people knew that they could have real-time, safe conversations in ways that maybe felt uncomfortable, but had a high purpose for patients. Oh my gosh, formal communication training. What were those elements or how did that roll out? What does that mean, formal communication? So it's um, sound, because it sounds to me like the traditional way of communicating charts and on Epic and in hallways and at the bedside, but how did that, how does the formal, how did it change? Like what were the, the, the big changed elements? Yeah. So I come from a sort of mentality of safety training and the Armstrong Institute being here. So that really kind of came, this is the direction we came from because everybody really wants to be passionate about the safety conversation in a high pay, high paced hospital. So we started off with Teaming Up, which is a program that really helped us to learn safety conversation. You know, you can always look at various examples of when things go right or wrong in your life, not just in healthcare. And 90% of the time, it comes back to somebody saw it, somebody felt it, somebody knew it was happening, but they didn't have the words to say it. They didn't have the feeling of power and value to say it. So this half-day starting point for our communication discussion was all about giving scenarios, talking together, talking about giving people the tools to save communication. From there, it really goes into data collection. You have to know how your team works together, and that's where health system science really comes into it. How do you teach people in a way that's valuable? And how do you collect information to know that you actually are communicating well together? So we started a a process of bedside rounding together where we would all be in the same room at the same time with the same patient who had their own voice finally in the middle of rounds. And we just took that conversation to the next level and collected data about how were we communicating together? Whose voices are we not hearing? And then how do we circle back and reiterate our process? 